Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby says she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holla Padre gang. Yeah, that's the- and good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 161 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden, today to talk about the Padres and the Cubs series that just got done at Petco Park. Uh, it feels like it's the weekend for me. I'm coming back from New York, uh, but it's not the weekend. It's actually Wednesday. So the Padres' next series is against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, but this series against the Cubs, three games, they lose two of those three. Uh, in a series that they probably should have won. Um, you know, game one, they get shut out by a guy that doesn't throw high velocity. Game two, they nearly lose that. They were, you know, you see in the title here, a few feet from being swept. That's what it was. Uh, they lost today, uh, recording this going live on Sunday. And then they lost um, on Friday. Or excuse me, not Friday. See, I keep thinking it's a weekend. They lost on Monday. And then Tuesday, yesterday's game, they almost lost that game. Uh, Taylor Rogers, on the last out, the fly ball to left to Profar was like within feet of going over the fence uh, and giving the Cubs the lead. It would have been a grand slam. Um, so they were literally within feet of being swept by a team that right now is not a playoff team a team that's 11 and 19 right now, even with today's win. Uh, so the Potters are 20 and 12 right now. And let me know in the chat where, how confident you are in this team right now. Do you think that 
this series, you know, does that bring any confidence out of you? I mean, today, I guess that brings confidence out of me. Like with the offense, you know, Luke Voigt coming back and Myers. I wasn't a big fan of having Voigt and Myers come back this early, especially with Myers not having a rehab assignment. Um, but he does come back. Voigt comes back after striking out a million times in AAA, and he hits two home runs today. So for today, he proved me wrong. Now, will that happen on the next road trip? Will that happen for the rest of the season? That obviously uh, is something that's to be determined. Um, but let me know your thoughts uh, in the chat, what you're thinking about this Cubs-Padres series so far. This episode is sponsored by Gaglion Bros. Famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. I had some today at the Padre game, uh, my first at Peco Park this year. Um, Gaglinbros.com to view their entire menu. They're located in Mission Gorge, Point Loma, uh, inside Peco Park as well during every single home game of the season. Uh, so they are a great sponsor uh, to this show, and I really appreciate them. Um, all right, let's get into the series chronologically, like always, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we can preview a little bit of the Braves series and this upcoming road trip. Before Monday's game uh, occurred, there were moves that happened, and this wasn't fires, right? It was the Padres placing Matt Beatty on the 10-day IL with left shoulder in uh, left shoulder impingement. Uh, they moved Pierce Johnson to the 60-day with the forearm issue, so it doesn't seem like they're going to see him back uh, anytime soon. And then they cleared Sergio Alcantara off waivers, and I believe he's on the roster right now, uh, on the big league roster. Abrams being sent down yesterday, obviously, that meant that he's on the roster, Sergio Alcantara, that is, because you wouldn't send Abrams down and just not have any other middle infield option. But they have Alcantara there. Um, they claimed him off waivers from the Diamondbacks. Alcantara is not really anything better than Abrams. He's just someone that can, I guess, fill the gap and fill that depth need right now when Abrams is probably better off going into the minor leagues, getting at-bats. I just saw that he homered today for El Paso already. So just get him consistent at-bats. Right now it seems like they're just going to continue playing him at shortstop and in the middle infield. I think that he should get reps in the outfield as well, but that's doesn't seem like what they're trying to do right now. Maybe when he gets his feet under him in terms of offensively, uh, offense-wise, maybe that's when they put him out into the outfield. Um, but he is sent down. Uh, that was yesterday's move, but pregame Monday, Alcantara claimed off waivers. He had a negative war, I think, so far this year with the Diamondbacks. He spent time with Detroit and I believe the Cubs as well, if I remember correctly. Uh, I believe that was one of the last two seasons. I wrote a piece about that uh, on Gaslamp Ball, if you're interested. Nicholas, how's it going? Thank you for hopping into the chat here. Um, give me your thoughts on this Padres-Cubs series. What are you thinking so far right now? Uh, what you saw in this three-game set leading into an off day tomorrow and then a three-game set weekend series against the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. Um, there was that report prior to Monday's game that Voigt was going to return to AAA to get more at-bats after seeing 100 live pitches in front of the coaching staff, and that ended up not happening. Um, he saw the, the live pitches, but him going back to AAA isn't happening. He obviously gets activated uh, yesterday, and he draws two walks, he strikes out once, flies out, and then today is where he really got it started. 
hitting two home runs. Uh, the second one was crushed. And I, what else he do today? Um, I kept score of this game. He lined out to third in his second at-bat. He singled, and then he flew out to center in his last at-bat. So he ended up driving in two runs. Both of his home runs were solo home runs today. Went three for five, scored three runs today. So a really, really good day. His best game as a Padre so far in his Padre career this season. But it's obviously not really a high bar because of, really, to be frank, how much he sucked so far You know, at the beginning of this year before he went on the injury list. Um, and getting to Monday's game, the Padres ended up uh, losing 6 nothing. It was a lot of Cubs offense. Gore pitched okay. Wasn't as good as he was, you know, against Cincinnati or against Cleveland or against Atlanta even in his Major League debut. But he was okay. But the Padres scored zero runs. That's the bottom line. And when you score zero runs, you're not going to win any games. You're going to go zero and 162. So you can't really just put it all on Gore or all on relievers, right? Giving up six runs, that's hard. You know, scoring seven runs in the big leagues is hard to do. But when you don't score any runs, you that's, you can't really use pitching as the excuse. Uh, in the top of the first, Suzuki had an RBI double down the left field line, made it one nothing Cubs. Ian Happ had an RBI single to left field. That was his third hit of the inning in the fourth. Uh, that made it two nothing, three nothing Cubs. When uh, Hayward, I believe he scored, he singled the lead off the fifth and got to third base on Wilson Contreras' single before scoring on a 6-4-3 double play. Um, and those are the three runs that McKenzie gave up. 89 pitches he goes, five innings, three earned runs, seven hits, did not walk anyone, and then six strikeouts. So he struck out, I think, four more guys in that start than he did in Cleveland. Um, and obviously the, what I like is the zero walks with Gore because in spring training last year, that was the problem. In El Paso last year, that was the problem. Uh, but this year, the walks don't seem like it's the problem. Right now, it's more about honing that command of secondary pitches, right? Um, because his fastball is the pitch that the opponent knows that he is going to go to. If he's struggling with any other pitch, he's going back to the fastball. He throws his fastball, I think, more than any other Padre starter in terms of like percentages. So they knew that game plan going in. The Cubs did. And so they were able to capitalize on it, even starting in the first inning when Suzuki doubled down the line. I forget if that was a fastball. A lot of the pitches that they did hit were fastballs, and they were able uh, to capitalize on that. So you got to give props to them. Um, and I guess you could make the argument if Gore is going to be sent down with this whole rotation crunch coming probably on Tuesday when Blake Snell gets activated. Uh, we'll get to him. He had a, he had a, um, a uh, rehab start with El Paso yesterday, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But when that comes, you can make the argument, okay, you send down Mackenzie Gore, maybe limit his innings, and you can have him work on those secondary pitches more in an environment where it doesn't really matter, right? It's the minor leagues. Uh, but Gore, overall, I think he still pitched well. You know, he got around 90 pitches, didn't walk anyone. Still, it's a quality start if he gets through in, through six, right? Six innings, 300 runs. It was five innings, 300 runs. Um, so overall, I think it was pretty good, but the offense, they didn't score any runs. In the bottom of the seventh, Manny was on first with two outs, and Kim was robbed uh, of a single to center field by Hayward. That was just that kind of night. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, um, that big story. He went eight and two-thirds innings in this game, didn't give up a run, three hits, walked one guy. 
one. Uh, and he struck out seven. And I think those seven strikeouts to me are just attributed to Padres hitters probably being a little off balance, right? You're used to facing 90 plus mile an hour pitchers, 98 mile an hour fastballs. And then you have Kyle Hendricks come in and probably not throw many fastballs at all and throw all change ups, a lot of curveballs that are like 80, 85, 88 miles an hour. And that's going to screw with you. Uh, but they had eight and two thirds innings to adjust to that and they couldn't do it. So it was a little flashback for me in terms of Kyle Hendricks going back to 2016 when he had that ERA under three. Um, that was, it was kind of embarrassing also when you look at Hendricks not being that fireball pitcher and you add it to the fact that you didn't score any runs on Tony Gwynn's birthday when you had Tony Gwynn Jr. catching the first pitch from his mom, Alicia. You had Anisha, uh, the daughter of Alicia and Tony, uh, singing the national anthem. You had the jersey giveaway, sellout crowd, and you score zero runs. You lay a complete dud. Um, just a complete egg. Uh, and so that was frankly embarrassing in terms of Monday night's game. But I guess you have to just flush it down the toilet. 19 and 11 was their record after that game. Um, and then they moved on to Saturday's game and they ended up winning, but it wasn't in, let's say, uh, great fashion. I'll put it that way. Um, uh, Sochi says, I was at the game today and Grisham was uh, uh, abominable. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he was pretty bad. Yeah, I was there too. Um, that's just how it's been though, right? That's just how Grisham has been um, the last few weeks. He's just kind of been lost. And is it, you know, surprising? No, if you're watching this at bats. Myers and Voigt, though, those are the positives of today's game. I know I'm kind of flip-flopping around and jumping all around here in this series. Um, but that I guess that was a little bit of the big, the positive takeaway from today is Voigt having two home runs, Myers uh, having the single on Friday, or I keep thinking it's the weekend, Monday night, or two, no, yesterday, Tuesday night uh, in his first game back. And then today he almost ties the game uh, with that two-run bomb and it ends up going to the warning track. And there was a lot of warning track balls from both teams. You had, obviously, uh, at the end of yesterday's game with Taylor Rogers, and I forget who was hitting. I think it was uh, – I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Schwindle? Frank Schwindle, I think that was, was who was up. And uh, the ball just died. It, it was hit high, but – it died on the warning track. Profar caught it, and the Potters ended up winning this game on Tuesday night, five to four. That improved their record to twenty and eleven, and now they're twenty and twelve after uh, today's loss. But as for Tuesday's game, uh, pregame Bob Melvin said that he's having prostate surgery today, and he ended up having it today. The Potters released a update on that, and the surgery was successful, so that all good there. And he'll probably miss the road trip, or definitely the Atlanta series. Uh, maybe probably the first couple series. Uh, so hopefully he can get well with that. And that's obviously extends more than just, you know, it extends past baseball, right? You know, someone's health is more important than just the game of baseball. And the good thing, I, I went on uh, the wrap-up show uh, with John Schaefer yesterday uh, after the Padres game uh, live. Uh, so anyone was watching there, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, but I was there live talking with John and, we talked about it and I was bringing up the point kind of looking at it glass half full, like 
hey, Bob Melvin being out, yeah, that's not great. But at the same time, his real impact to me, at least at this point in the season, was in spring training when he was walking up to guys and talking to the whole team in spring training on the field, not in his office, making guys feel welcome, making the clubhouse a player's place, right? Not going in there. Will Myers alluded to that uh, earlier this year. And so he made that impact in spring training. And then also not just Melvin, but it extends to Ruben Niebla, who's fixed gore, it seems like, and he's providing an impact on a lot of guys. Um, and then you have other former managers. Mike Schilt was hired, right? Matt Williams was hired. Uh, Brian Price was hired. Uh, he's a front office assistant, I believe. But there's those guys, right? And then you have even more versatile backgrounds and a little bit uh, more interesting backgrounds with uh, Masias, the first base coach, right? So there's a lot of different guys. Francisco Cervelli as well. Uh, Ryan Flaherty still there uh, as, I think, the hitting assistant to Michael Bredar. So it's not just Melvin, but I'm confident that the Padres can survive and uh, still do pretty well without him as the manager for, you know, probably this road trip, or at least a, most of it, uh, because of the extension of the coaching staff and not just Melvin, but Niebla and Bedar and all of Matt Williams and all of those guys. Um, so that's a little bit about the Bob Melvin news. Boyt and Myers were reinstated before yesterday's game. Abrams went to AAA. Thompson was DFA'd. So I think Thompson's going to have 10 days. Uh, the Padres will either find a trade or they will option him or release him or whatever. Uh, that's expected. He had one great game or good game, and that was his first start that he had in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks back, and then he had not gotten a hit in any game since then. So that wasn't a surprise that he was sent down when Myers was activated. He only came up because Myers went on the I.O., so it seemed like it was going to be a short stint anyways, and that's exactly what it was. Um, and then with Abrams getting more at-bats at the AAA level, I tend to be a little bit more uh, getting more reps in, in the – did I just say reps? Did I say reps? Reps. I want him to get more repetitions in the outfield um, because I think that's the position, position that he's going to end up playing. When you get Tatis back, you can slide Kim over to second, or you have Cronenworth there. You have Hosmer at first. You have Voigt hopefully hitting, DHing. So you need Ab if Abrams is going to hit, like he's already gotten off to a good start in El Paso today, he's going to play the outfield, right? So give him some reps in the outfield. Um, if you want him to get comfortable in AAA hitting-wise and you just want him to focus on middle infield until he's comfortable hitting and then you can expand him to the outfield, okay. But I would even push against that argument a little bit for me as well because it's AAA. The games don't actually matter. You're just trying to develop your top prospect. That's what matters at the end of the day. Um, and part of that development is playing the outfield, in my opinion. Uh, but he was sent down, so hopefully that's – it's all about development, and Bob Owen believes he's going to come back up and impact the team. And then Voight and Myers, I was surprised that they were reinstated this early. Voight striking out a million times in AAA, not getting a hit, and he sees 100 pitches – in front of the coaching staff, they're supposed to send him to El Paso, and then all of a sudden they pull a whole 180, and they say, no, we're not sending you to El Paso. We're actually going to activate you um, on Tuesday night. That didn't make a whole lot of sense. He got out of the gate a little bit slow there in that first game, but then he proved me wrong in the second game. Now, today was only one game, uh, but hopefully that continues. I'm not expecting him to t hit two home runs every single game, but the power was there. I was at the game, so I haven't even looked at a replay. 
of if those Voight home runs were on fastballs or not. I totally forget. Um, I can look that up right now, actually, just to see if those were on fastballs. Because if they were, then it's not surprising that Voight uh, was able to, yeah, so was able to crush it. The second at-bat, the second home run was a fastball. I just pulled that one up on my iPad here. And then the first one, let's see here, the first one in the second inning was a breaking ball, but it hung right down the middle. And what I'm talking about with Void is those breaking balls right down the middle, he's going to hit. That, that's not a surprise. It's the breaking balls that are actually placed well where he is just lost, simply lost. And that's my concern with him. Myers, I'm not too concerned about. We kind of know what you're going to get out of him. We know what we're going to get out of him. Uh, he's more athletic than Voight. He can do more things than Voight. Um, so that's a that's good news. And it seems like he's he didn't really need you know those lengthy rehab assignments. Uh, he hit one to the warning track today. He legged out a single in his first at bat yesterday to drive in a run, which ended up being crucial because they won by one run. Um, so I'm not too worried about Will. It's more about Voight and like his approach. Has he changed that at all? Uh, it doesn't look like it. Um, and with the breaking balls, what will he do with those breaking balls that are actually placed well? It's one thing to hit it when it's down the middle, like that second inning home run he hit today, but can he do it when it's actually placed well? Uh, but getting back to Tuesday's Padres win this one five to four, they should have won it uh, maybe five to two, five to three. There were some errors. Uh, it was a lot of errors. Clevenger pitched well, four and a thirds innings, two earned runs, six hits, two walks, struck out six. He gave up one home run, which wasn't shouldn't have been a home run. The home run he gave up, Jose Azokar should have caught the ball, and it pops out of his glove and over the fence. So that's on Azokar. That should have been an error, but it ends up being a home run. And then there was one where a run scored where Nola tried to uh, pick off a runner trying to steal third with a right-hander in the box. And, you know, as a catcher, you probably shouldn't do that. That makes it harder. You're going to try to be Superman, and that's what he did. And he threw it past Manny into left field. A run scored. So that's three runs right there that Clev should not have had on his total. Uh, in terms of runs allowed, uh, but he still battled. Um, I mean, I sound like Jace Tingler saying battled, and I know you don't want to hear that wo word ever again, so I'll stop saying that. Uh, I'll stop saying the B word uh, for Padres fans. But with Clev last night, I was really encouraged with what I saw. Um, I mean, I was talking with this with John Schaefer on the wrap-up show last night after the game, and uh, you can go watch that after this if you want to. Uh, on that YouTube channel. Um, I, I like the jams that he got out of. I don't like him getting into the jams, the first and second inning, where uh, it, I think it was second and third with no outs, and he got out of it in the first inning, and there was first and second, and he got out of that. You would prefer to be three up, three down, right? Obviously. But he was able to get out of those jams, not with like long flyouts, but with choppers back to him and getting guys into a pickle. Too many throws on that pickle, but Stuff like that, right? Getting choppers back to the mound, soft contact, strikeouts, where minimal damage or no damage literally at all can happen. So I liked what I saw out of Clev. And then one of his teammates, Blake Snell, was on a rehab assignment in El Paso last night. He went five innings, gave up one earned run, three hits, did not walk anyone, seven strikeouts on 59 pitches. So I was talking this 
I was talking to John last night on the wrap-up show, and I thought that the next start is probably going to be Tuesday in Philadelphia when he gets activated. So will Gore be sent down? That's something that might happen. Uh, definitely is a scenario that might happen. Will Or will it be Lamette that gets sent down or DFA'd or traded? I think that's a possibility right now, the way that he's struggling. Um, and teams always, there's always one team out there that's like, okay, this guy's struggling, but we saw what he did in 2020. We're going to take him. We're going to believe that we can fix this guy, and we're going to take all the credit for it. I feel like that's kind of what the Twins try to do with Paddock, and now Paddock has an injury. Obviously, hope that he does well and you know, recovers from that injury. Uh, I think it's the elbow again. But there's always going to be that team that thinks that they're smarter than all the other teams, and they're going to try to go fix a guy like Lamette. So a Lamette trade could happen, DFAing him, optioning him. I think he has a couple left, if I'm not mistaken. So that's an option when snow gets activated. But the no walks is obviously good because, you know, last year at the major league level, what happened? He pitched good some starts. Uh, he went seven or seven innings, six innings. Uh, what was it? In, in August and September leading up to when he got hurt with that groin injury at Dodger Stadium. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, the majority of the year last year, actually, he was nibbling, right? He was getting ahead in the count, 0-2, 1-2. And then he wouldn't want to throw the ball inside the strike zone and pitch to contact. He'd want to make sure that those hitters couldn't do anything with the pitch. And that actually ended up hurting him. That ended up going and hurting him because he would then start throwing a lot of balls, uh, leaking arm side to lefties, or excuse me, to, uh, to righties, and just throwing outside, low and away, up and away with fastballs, just nibbling. And it, le- it led to walks. It led to higher pitch counts. And that's obviously not ideal Um, especially with Blake Snow when he has a history of not pitching deep into games with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I don't even know if that's much with the Rays type, the philosophy, if it was Snow nibbling or it's just them saying, this is how we do things, right? Where with the Padres, it felt like Snow was nibbling. So the no walks is definitely a good sign. I know it's El Paso. It's not major league hitters, but it is some former major league hitters. uh, And he struck out seven. So that's the Snow update. As for Tuesday's game, Padres win 5-4, like I mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, the Padres did take the lead, uh, second and third no outs. Uh, that's the club jam that I was talking about in the top of the first. In the bottom of the first, Myers legged out a grounder to third. I mentioned that a little bit earlier as well. Um, in his first at-bat back off of the IL, made it one nothing. Padres. Two batters later, Kim walked with the bases loaded. So that, that was a run that was gifted to the Padres and they end up winning by one run. So that one, that one run, say that five times in a row, that one run uh, was huge uh, for the Padres. And thank you, Cubs. You just take it and you move on. Uh, In the third, the Cubs tied it two to two with an Alfonso uh, Rivas two run home run. That was the uh, Zokar ball that tipped off his glove and went over the wall. Nola had an RBI single, but then he, you know, ended up tying the game back up because he made the throwing error, and that allowed the Cubs to make that game tied 3-3. In the 6, 4-3 Padres uh, was the score after Nola doubled. Uh, he was popped off the bag, so he didn't actually contribute to that fourth run. But two batters later, Manny had an RBI double um, down the left field line, scoring Jake Cronenworth, who doubled right after Nola did. So if Nola, that stupid replay rule where you're sliding into second base, it's a pop-up slide, and he's safe, obviously, but he comes off the bag because of his momentum and he's just trying to make the safe play 
and he pops off the bag. He's technically out, but come on, he's not really out. But they call him out. If that replay rule was not in there, the Padres would have had another run on the board because Nola would have been at second base for that Cronenworth double. Nonetheless, though, they took the lead there. Hosmer had an RBI single. That made it 5-3, and that fifth run ended up being the big run because they ended up winning 5-4 because Taylor Rodgers in the ninth inning uh, made a lot of Padre fans sweat. Uh, he made a lot of fans uh, be like, okay, what the heck is going on here? Taylor Rodgers, I was talking with was John Schaefer last night after the game. and um, I'm not worried about him, obviously. You're allowed to have a couple bad outings, right? But what I will say is that doesn't mean that last night wasn't terrible to watch or you know maddening to watch. Sliders being thrown 10 feet outside, uh, you know, just rockets. Obviously, the last out, the fly out to left, uh, Profar right on the warning track. I mean, obvi- who thought that that ball was not gone? Or who, yeah, who thought that that ball was not gone off the bat? Like, it felt like that ball was gone off of Schwindel's bat, uh, but it ended up staying in the yard. Maybe the marine layer helped. Um, but two outs, bases loaded. Uh, and Rodgers, that was the fly out to left. Uh, but getting the bases loaded, giving up the RBI single to Ian Happ, that's not what you want to make it 5-4. Um, and how many pitches did he throw last night? Let me check. He threw a ton of pitches. He didn't pitch today, obviously. Um, 28 pitches he threw yesterday. That's a lot. Wilson threw 24, but Rodgers 28. That might be the most pitches that he's thrown this year for the Padres, or maybe not because he tried for that five-out save against the Dodgers. Uh, was that game last month? I forget, but the Dodger game at Petco where Trey Turner hit the double off the wall off of him, and that he tried to get the five-out save, and he couldn't do it. Um, but I'm not worried about Rodgers, but it definitely made you know Padre fans' hearts uh, beat faster when that ball was hit with two outs, bases loaded, and it's like, are you kidding me? A grand slam, the Padres are going to lose this game like this? And if they would have lost the game, to be honest, you're telling me that you're saying that the Padres deserve to not lose that game? Like, they made a lot of defensive mistakes. There were times where they could have come out, come up big, and they didn't. I know Manny and Hosmer did, but there were still times earlier in the game, right? And then you even fast forward or go back to Friday's game and you get shut out. So it's not like these first two games, like they totally fully deserve to win these games. Definitely not the first game. And then the second game with the defense, you can make the argument that they shouldn't have won this game. The Cubs gifted them a run with the Hassan Kim bases loaded walk. So it says here in the title here on this YouTube uh, page here on the bottom, a few feet from being swept because that's what it was. And so, yeah, they lost the series. That's bad. But I also want to point out that they almost got swept, and that's even worse, to a team that is not going to make the playoffs. And like I mentioned at the top of pretty much this episode, is they lost a series and almost got swept to a team that's 11-19 and 19 right now. So that's pretty embarrassing. And they didn't have Marcus Stroman pitch. He's on the IL. They had Kyle Hendricks flashback to 2016. It's just not a, it's not a great look, you know, um, with the Cubs playing the Cubs, you should win that series. You're playing at home. And it's especially, you know, this 15-game stretch that I brought up, you know, a few weeks back before this road trip and then this homestand started and then finished, 
uh, later or earlier today. You got to win these games because this next road trip that's coming up, and we'll get to it in a little bit, it's playoff teams. And then they come back for the homestand at Petco, and they have to start the homestand with the Brewers, which seemed like another playoff team with a great rotation and probably a better lineup this year than it was last year, even though they smacked around the Padres pretty good, if I remember correctly. I know they smacked around Paddock. I know he's not on the team anymore, but they smacked him around uh, at Petco last year. Uh, but moving to Sunday's game, the Padres end up losing this one 7-5 to to the Cubs, and that was the series finale. In my recap uh, video that I posted this YouTube channel, the Twitter, the, the TikTok, uh, that was live, in, or not live, but I recorded it from inside Petco Park after the final out was made. My takeaway was from Luis Garcia being bad, uh, Nick Martinez being bad in the fourth inning. I think they combined. Nick Martinez and Garcia combined six runs in the fourth and the eighth innings. Those two innings combined. Um, that wasn't good. Martinez, yeah, okay, he gave up the home run to Wilson Contreras. Okay, but then after that, I was encouraged from what I saw before the fourth inning happened. Like, he seemed like he was pitching pissed off, and the changeup was working, the curveball was working, he was striking out guys even with the fastball a little bit uh, as well. Uh, he had one, two, he struck out three guys in a row at the end of the first and going into the second inning, and then he struck out two guys to start the third. He struck out another two guys in the fourth, even though he gave up those four runs. And so he, end, he ended up with eight strikeouts. He goes four innings, Nick Martinez, five runs, two walks, eight Ks, four hits. Uh, and ends up giving those four runs up in that fourth inning. And obviously the Contreras pitch was, wasn't placed very well. Um, and you want to limit that. Thing. And you also have to remember that this isn't, uh, you know, Shamanaya or Joe Musker we're talking about. This is ideally the Padres' seventh starter, right? Darvish, Musgrove, Manaya. Not in any order, just naming names. Darvish, uh, Manaya, Musgrove, uh, Clevenger, Snell, Gore, and then Martinez after him, right? I'm not including Morahone or Baez or any guys like that, but um, those guys, you think that Martinez is the seventh starter. So you can't get your hopes up and say, oh, man, uh, okay, he gave up five runs today, you know, in that inning. Man, throw this guy to the moon. He's, he's the five starter. He's going to struggle at times. Uh, and I think he's going to be moved to the bullpen when Snow gets activated probably on Tuesday for that first big league start um, of the season uh, against the Philadelphia Phillies in Philadelphia. That's going to be an intriguing matchup to watch, by the way. That lefty-on-lefty -lefty matchup with Bryce and Blake Snell, uh, if that does happen. Um, but for the rest of this game, I mean, the Padres, positive takeaways from this third game. Um I mean, I have, there's negative takeaways all over the place in the scorebook that I took score today, uh, and we'll get to that. But the positive takeaway is, you know, Myers hitting that ball in the warning track. I know it didn't get out, but that was a pretty good swing on it. Um, Luke Voigt, obviously, is the huge one, having two home runs, going three for five, his best game as a Padre so far this season uh, in his Padre career. Those were his first two home runs as a Padre. Um, Manny Machado, he's extended his on-base streak, his on-base streak, to 21 straight games. Uh, he went two for four today. He had a single in the third inning, a single in the fifth inning. Uh, he had a walk in the first inning as well. So a good day out of him. 
Uh, I'm just trying to find any other positive takeaways here from the offense. I mean, it's really Manny and Voight and then a little bit of Myers. Profar with the triple in the first, that was good. He lined out uh, to second base in the fifth. He doubled in the eighth. So, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll say Profar, Manny, and Voight. Those are the uh, three big guys' positive takeaways offensively today for the Padres. In terms of negative takeaways, I mean, they just did not capitalize on these situations, these possible opportunities that they had today. I was riding home on the trolley with my mom, and I showed her my scorebook, and I was like, look at this. You got every single inning that the Padres had today, they left at least one guy on base to end the inning. Let's go through them. They left they left 11 men on base in total. In the first inning, they left one man on base. The second inning, one man on base. Third inning, one man left on base. Uh, fourth inning, left one on base. Fifth inning, left one on base. Sixth inning, left three on base. That was that uh, sixth inning where the only run they scored, bases loaded one out, they only scored on a catcher's interference. So they didn't score there on any play that was actually a play. You know, okay, the catcher's glove was stuck at, it stuck out, and that's why they ended up scoring a run there. So that was a big failure in that sixth inning. In the seventh inning, they left the guy on base. In the eighth inning, they left a guy on base, and not just a guy on base, they left them in scoring position after Profar let off the inning with the double. And after that, uh, Machado strikes out in the eighth to end that inning. And by the way, there was a fly out to right and a strikeout before Profar's double. And then in the ninth inning, they leave Hosmer uh, at first base. Um, He leaves off the inning with a, a single, by the way, and then three straight outs. Myers fly out. I'm not going to get on him. That was almost out and tied the game. But then a fly out to center, a weak fly out by Voigt, and then a weak pop up by Kim to the shortstop to end the game. So just they did not capitalize on opportunities that they had. And that's pretty much why they deserve to lose this game. I, I know that Luis Garcia was not good there in that eighth inning. Uh, he came in, gave up a single, a walk, a single, a two RBI single. Um, he got a double play and then. Uh, ground out, but those first four instances there, I mean, they were bullets. The walk obviously isn't a bullet, that's a walk, but the single, the single, and then the two RBI single, the two RBI single by Rivas, they were bullets. I think all of them are up the middle, if I remember correctly, and right now, it feels like every day I'm changing my like confidence level in the bullpen. Uh, you know, tiers in, in terms of confidence, you know, you got Taylor Rogers at the top, Steven Wilson and Robert Suarez right behind him, and Garcia and Chris Matt behind him there. And even Garcia with today's rough outing, I'm still putting him there. Uh, and then below that, you know, it's what, Kerr, Stammen, and Lamette, right? Those are the other relievers on the roster right now. Um, so that's pretty much my tiers in terms of bullpen trust right now. In the chat, you can put that in there if you want uh, who you trust the most in the bullpen. Obviously, Taylor Rodgers is the you know the top one. Uh, but the story of the game, 7-5 the final Cubs win, was the missed opportunities and that fourth and eighth inning blowing up in the Padres' faces in terms of the pitching. Um, so this series, I think, I mean, I don't want to say it was a failure because they won a game, they didn't get swept. But I went into this series saying that they needed to win this series because they're playing a team that is not good. They're playing a team that's not going to make the playoffs. They're playing a team that they didn't that didn't have Marcus Stroman, right? They're playing a team that had a hobbled Seiya Suzuki, 
who then still went and contributed to that team. And then you, I guess you add in that they had Voight and Myers come back uh, in that second game of the series. I know Voight showed up today. Um, but it, it just stings that you feel like today was a winnable game, right? They had a lead in the second inning. They were up 2-1. to one, And then they come back and they tie the game, what, in the seventh inning. And, but then Garcia comes right back out there in the eighth inning and gives up the lead again. So when they were ahead or they tied, they gave it right back. So that was that was a little uh, disappointing there. Um, but yeah, I, I want to focus on the Padres' 15-game stretch that I was talking about before this road trip, this Braves, uh, what, Phillies, Giants road trip that they're going on where they're facing all playoff teams. Let's look back at the schedule, this 15-game stretch that I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, and how they did, what their record was. And I believe, uh, I think it was the start of the Pittsburgh series is what I, no, no, no. It was the Red Series that I started uh, on April 26th. From the Red Series starting on April 26th through today, the Cubs Series. Uh, So from April 26th to May 11th, what was their record? So let's look at that. So they swept the red. So three wins there, four wins, four and one. I'm just doing this right now live right here. So bear with me. Five and one, six and one, six and two, seven and two, eight and two, eight and three, nine and three, nine and four, ten and four, ten and five. So they went ten and five on that 15 game stretch against the Guardians, the Pirates, the Marlins, the Cubs, the Reds, non-playoff teams. And so I'll take that. I would have preferred, you know, 11-4. and You know, there's games that you could point out, like, uh, I don't know, the Pittsburgh series where Hosmer, uh, instead of getting in front of the ball, he tried to backhand the ball. Whoa, the table got messed up a little bit there. Um, He tried to backhand the ball and went under his glove, and they end up walking it off there. Hayes scores from first base. That's a game they should have won, right? They had a lead in the eighth inning, they had a lead in the tenth inning, and it got away. So you'd like them to be eleven and four in that fifteen game stretch, um, because now you got a tough stretch of games, not just this road trip against teams that figure to be in some sort of playoff race right this year, uh, um, but you also got at the beginning of the next homestand a playoff team, in my opinion, in the Brewers. Um, so let's go through this stretch. So it's going to – it's we're, the Potters are playing. You got the Braves for three games, Phillies for three games, Giants for three games for that road trip, and then three games at home against Milwaukee before you play Pittsburgh at home. So – Talk about a doozy of a schedule there. And then you have to play St. Louis and then Milwaukee and then the Mets. So that's another stretch of three series there after uh, the kind of layup Pittsburgh series at home where you're playing tough teams. So we're going to see what the Padres are made out of, right? We're going to see if this team can stay with the Dodgers and the Giants, you know, over this stretch of, uh, you know, two, three weeks here against pretty tough opponents. You know, they had the Reds and the Diamondbacks and the Pirates and the uh, the Guardians and the Marlins and the Cubs. Now they do against the Phillies and the Giants and the Brewers and the Braves, right? 
Uh, they split that four-game set against the Braves earlier this season. And it's only three games, so they can't split the set. Do I expect the Padres to win? To, to go and win this Brave series in Atlanta? I don't know if I expect them to. Maybe that's too high of expectations coming off this series. Um, but I'm just trying to look at the matchups, what we got here. So Darvish against Max Freed, that game's on Apple TV+. Plus, so a lot of people aren't going to be able to watch that. Um, so that sucks. But matchup, so that's not a gimme game. Saturday, the pitching matchup is Manaya and Morton, so that's another good pitching matchup. That's not a guaranteed win. And then they have to face Kyle Wright on Sunday with Musgrove going. So, And that game's on Peacock um, and NBC, I think. So that's a tough series to win. So I, I'm not going to say that I that I expect them to win the series. I expect it to be close because of the pitchers that are going in the series, Darvish, Manaya, and Musgrove. But I, I can't say that I'm going to expect them to win the series based on uh, those pitching matchups that I just read off there. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts? Do you guys think that the Padres should win this Atlanta series? And then going back to that 15-game stretch, going 10-5 and five there against those non-playoff teams, essentially. I, I like that they went 10 and five, but I'd prefer that they would have went 11 and four or 12 and three, right there. There'd been a couple games where they had leads and they didn't end up winning those games, right? The Pittsburgh Saturday night game. And then that Cleveland game, it was what the second game of that doubleheader, I believe uh, where they had leads. And then Hedges had that bloop single and Naylor came through and tied the game. Uh, and then uh, Quan had that uh, walk off single, right? And extra innings. That's a game that I think that they should have won as well. So to be honest, 12 and 3 is probably what they should have done there, but I'll take 10 and 5, right? You win 66% of your games in a 15 game stretch. You got to take it. All right, let's go through some comments here. I appreciate everyone for tuning in here live to the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show, episode 161. The Padres nearly get swept by the Chicago Cubs at Petco Park to end their seven-game homestand and finish off that 15-game stretch, 10-5. and five. Nicholas says he likes the continued production from Manny and Haas. I think Voight might be turning it around, disappointed with Grisham Cronenworth. I'm, I'm disappointed with Grisham, not as much... Well, actually, more disappointed in him than... No, actually, I'll put it this way. I'm more disappointed in Cronenworth than Grisham because Cronenworth was an all-star last year. He's hitting lead off. You expect more of him than Grisham. But it's fair to say that you're disappointed in both of them. Um, my question in terms of that is, will Haas's production continue? Will Voigt actually turn it around? Or was today, you know, he just hitting a breaking ball down the middle, out, you know, out of the park, and a fastball down the middle out of the park, which we knew that he could already do. So is that what it really was? And it was kind of you know, just a barrage or was it something that can lead to a trend, right? Um, so that's, that's how I'd answer that. Anthony says, I like the seven pitcher, five man rotation. I think that it's something that they're not going to employ, uh, 
you know, all season consistently. I think it's something that they could use like in June where they have, I think like 30 games in 30 days, something crazy like that because of a double header that's included there and like uh, 15 day stretches, consecutive games played there and 15 game stretches sandwich. Um, and you got like one day off in between those 15 day stretches. So they could use it then. And then not even just looking at the schedule, but Nick Martinez talk about saving the bullpen. You can have him or Gore pitch after Snell, who's not built up. You know, he had 60 pitches about that in his rehab start on uh, Tuesday, yesterday. So he's not built up. So having someone like that come in after, and you can save the bullpen, you, you don't have to use Chris Matt every L piggyback start. I think that can help. Uh, Nicholas says, I'm really wishing we got Suzuki right now. I don't even, I, I mean, Suzuki's been, a, he's been good, but, I feel like the Cubs overpaid for him, so I don't feel as bad about it right now. Yeah, Profar is not the same guy that he was the first couple weeks of the season. That's clear. He's swinging at pitches outside the strike zone. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like Suzuki got overpaid. And Robert Hassel III is going to come up probably at some point next year. Abrams hopefully can play the outfield in the majors sometime this year. I, I mentioned it earlier. I think that's where he's going to have to end up playing long-term. So we'll see what comes of that. And then you, you, I guess you just got to hope that Will and Grisham can do something this year. Uh, Zoji says, Grisham's continued lack of offense and the lack of effort in center really screwed the pot today. I know Azokar botched a robable homer last night, but I'd rather have him there. I think that's what she said. Um, Lack of effort in center. There was one play where I was sitting there and I was like, okay, why can't you put your hand up? You know, put your glove up and try to at least catch the ball where it went over his head. I think it was in the gap. Might have been Hayward. I forget who it was at the plate. So I do agree. There's been, it's a bad look, you know, when you're watching on TV and even some random pop ups, it's, it's like he's just gliding over and not like sprinting to it, but you're not going to sprint to every ball. I don't want to make excuses though. I do understand that point. There's been multiple times this year where there's been plays that where he's had to run back and he definitely should have caught the ball, whether that was him just being lazy or it was him not knowing where the ball was. But there's been some plays where he should have caught balls that he hasn't. So I do agree. And then his offense, it is what it is. I'd like him to be aggressive, continue being aggressive. Eric Hosmer is just better, says that Grisham needs to be replaced by Zokar. I mean, is the Zorkar that much better than Grisham, you know? And I don't I don't know if the Padres believe that a Zokar could be a long-term answer in the outfield, and I think the Padres are still holding hope uh, out that Grisham can be that guy uh, for the Padres long-term. Um, let's see here. Sky says, Myers was swinging at a fastball up. At his head, uh, like Alfaro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know that he was swinging at fastballs up, but what do you want him to do? Not be aggressive? Like I'd rather, I'd rather him be aggressive than not be. You know. Uh, Jerusalem says, I think when they're placed well. His good eye will get him a walk. These homers will boost his morale on those balls he can get to. And we saw that with the warning trap ball, right? 
if that was a night game, well, actually, no, because it was a day game. The ball probably flies better in a day game. Scratch that thought. Forget I even was going to even say that. Um, are you talking Jerusalem? I think you're talking about Myers with the walks, his good eye. I like Myers being aggressive. That's just me. Because we know he's going to strike out. We've seen that for the last, what, four or five years? Ever, I mean, a long time. I remember going to Sunday games in 2016, 17, and he's striking out four times a game, and he's their best player. Um, he's just going to strike out sometimes, and every guy is. I'd rather him be aggressive and swing than uh, strike out looking like I believe he did at least once today. Yeah, in the sixth inning, he struck out looking. Four-pitch strikeout. And it was a pitch that he knew. And all these strikeout lookings that he has, it's like immediately he goes right back to the dugout. He knows that he messed up. And then Sochi says, today's lineup minus Grisham was enough to produce five runs and leave a million runners on base. Padres will be fine. Just stick to a lineup that works. Don't repeat what Tingler did last year. I, I mean... Was the lineup, yeah, it was enough to produce five runs because they produced five runs. But you got to remember that Voigt two home runs today. He's not going to hit two home runs every game. He's not going to hit a home run every game. So you take that out. Is it really that great of a lineup that can produce five runs every game? I don't think so. We saw it on Monday. Shut out by Kyle Hendricks, who is past his prime. JD JD's third says Tatis won't be and is not the savior for this team. I mean, won't be the savior. Yeah, he's not going to save the team completely, right? It's one player. It's not the NBA. But have you watched Fernando Tatis Jr. play baseball? There was a kid on the jumbotron today at Peco with a shirt that said Fernando Tatis Jr. is good at baseball. Like. This guy had the sixth war last year. He probably should have won the MVP if I were voting. And is it biased? Sure. But he went to the outfield after having subluxations on his shoulder so that he could be in the lineup. Switching positions, he played well in the outfield. Then he went back to shortstop. And, oh, by the way, suffering all those injuries, missing like 30 games in the season but due to those injuries, he still hit 42 home runs to lead the National League in home runs. So this guy's a really, really good player. And I think... They're going to bat him leadoff when he comes back, hopefully in June. So he's not going to drive in a ton of runs probably. But you can't tell me that he won't help the team. Him not being the savior, I guess I can agree with because it's not the NBA. Um, but he's going to help the team pretty significantly. You're not going to have, you're not going to, have to have Ha-Sung Kim in the lineup every day if you don't want to. You're going to have an MVP in the lineup every day at the top of the lineup instead of having Profar hitting second. Who is, what is his batting average right now? Let me look that up. Started out red hot and now he's batting 175. And he's the two hitter right now. So having Tatis back, you take Profar out of that spot. You have Tatis hitting first. You probably have Cronenworth hitting second. You have Manny hitting third. Uh, Hosmer fifth, uh, fourth. 
Voigt fifth, and then after that, you kind of puzzle it together, whether that's Profar, you want to go Nola or Alfaro, um, or if Camposano comes up at some point, and you just mix it together then. You know, Myers after that, obviously. Uh, but it definitely helps the lineup a ton when Tatis gets back. Sochi says, J.D. doesn't even know what's going on when he watches a baseball game. Uh, go watch, look up Fernando Tatis Jr. stats late last year, um, and I think you'll change your mind. Well, you won't change your mind because I know in today's day and age, you have a, you have, uh, a thought you're not going to change your mind regardless of what anyone says because people are just stubborn nowadays. Um, but... I mean, I can read you some of Tatis' stats last year. You know, even though he missed some games with the subluxations and all that, last year, he still played 130 games. He led the league in home runs, 42 home runs. He nearly had 100 RBIs. He stole 25 bases. He had a OPS of 975. He average OPS plus is 100. His OPS is 66. He was an all-star, top three in MVP. He won the Silver Slugger for shortstop. I mean, I could go on and on and on. He's going to have a very significant impact. He's not going to save the team. If he does really well and the bottom half of the lineup doesn't produce at all, then we're going to still have the same problem. But when it comes back, everyone moves down. And that's one less hole in the lineup that is going to be on the bench. It's not going to have to play every day. All right. Anything else? Any questions anyone else has in the chat? My sister Danielle is right here. Danielle, you have any questions? No. No? You like how Manny's playing so far? I really do. You really do? Yeah. Yeah, Manny is the MVP so far right now. I think. No one Aaron out on my butt. You can go win that April Player of the Month award. And meanwhile, Manny has a 2.7 war already, seven home runs. He's hitting 379. He has an OPS plus of 224, an OPS of 1,085. I mean, this guy is just amazing right now. A 21 game on base streak. Best defensive third baseman in the league. He's the MVP right now. All right. I think this will do it. They have an off day tomorrow. Um, the Kurt Bravacqua interview, for anyone that missed that, that is out in episode 160 on the podcast. Pod, geez, I cannot talk. Podcast platforms uh, and on YouTube. Um, talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, Grisham struggles, Voigt struggles before the two home run game today, obviously. Uh, the umpiring. Um, what else? His career, the 84 World Series home run, uh, some brawls that he's been in, that Braves brawl where they had three different fights in one game uh, and fans attacked him. Uh, the Tommy Lasorda thing where he called Lasorda a fat Italian if he regrets that. Um, and then he actually told me a story about how he actually caught the Lasordas off guard when he called them. Um, he called their house phone. So that interview's up. Uh, as well, um, episode 160. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, Sochi says, I think this is a question. How about this lineup versus lefties? Tatis, 
leading off Kim, Machado, Voigt, Hosmer, Profar, Alfaro, Myers, and then Azokar. The way that Grisham's hitting, I'd be fine with Azokar hitting against lefties. Um, Cronenworth is going to play every day, though. That's where I disagree. You say Crone play, Crony plays against righties. He's going to play against everyone. Like, he was an all-star last year. Kim, it's not like Kim is substituting Cronenworth right now in terms of production. Um, Kim, yeah, he's been doing better, but it's not like he's playing like Manny right now. So they're going to play Cronenworth. They're going to continue playing Cronenworth, even when Tatis does come back. Having Cronenworth on the bench I don't think is smart. He just does too many things defensively as well. Like, if you're saying against lefties you want Hosmer against lefties, he doesn't hit, I don't think he hits as great against lefties as righties, and Cronenworth plays better defensively at first base than Hosmer does. Just go look at the dang highlight from the other night where Cronenworth made a great play at second. You know, he uh, throws to first, one hop, perfect play at first, and Hosmer, instead of lunging to make the play that was right to him, he steps backwards and the ball collides with Contreras. I have no idea what he's doing there. So, uh, Sochi, I, I disagree with the Cronenworth being benched against lefties. I think that's too early for that, even when Tatis comes back. Um, but any everything else there, uh, I mean, Machado obviously hitting third, Voigt, Hosmer. I mean, maybe they go Hosmer in between Machado and Voigt to split up the righties. But other than that, I kind of agree with that. Maybe they want Nola in there uh, against lefties. He's a righty, too. You want more contact maybe at the bottom of the order. Uh, JD's third. Maybe he's a Dodger fan or something. I don't know. He says Crony is like Bellinger, only playing due to his defense. Well, I think they're going off a bigger sample size than just this season. He was an all-star last year. He He was really, really good in 2020 for the team. Ever since Hosmer went down in 2020 when he, I think he was sick with like a stomach bug or something, he took over at first base and then was in the lineup the rest of the season. Um, he's not only playing due to his defense. I, I, I disagree with that. All right, I think this is going to do it. This has been episode 161 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show brought to you by Gagnon Bros. Famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries located in Mission Gorge, Point Loma, inside Petco Park, gagglinbros.com to view their entire menu. For Ben Fadden, I'm your host. I'm signing off. Thank you so much for watching and listening. I hope you subscribe to this YouTube channel, trying to get to those 1,000 subscribers to implement those super chats. And make sure you follow the Instagram, the TikTok, the Twitter accounts at Talking Friars. All right, see you, everybody.